0: Ever watch this guy on television? You all were not telling
1: the truth, and you should not be trusted. Congressman
0: Matt Gates, thank you for what you yeah. did for your country tonight. Be
1: offended with the Democratic whip, not House Republicans. Like a machine, Matt Gates. Welcome to Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates. Let's talk about the news. The news of the day. The Republican National Convention is beginning. I'll be speaking tonight. The president's excited, the first family's excited, and I hope that we see a different tone, a different feel, a little more excitement out of the Republican convention that we saw from the Democrat convention. We did not see Democrats really get a bounce out of their convention. That's traditionally how these presidential elections work. After you get a full week to captivate the attention of the country and tell the story of your candidate, uh, you usually see a little improvement. Uh, that did not happen for joe biden matter of fact during the democrat convention we actually saw poll numbers at least internally on the trump campaign improve uh, for the president and the showcase of joe biden seems to make people only less excited about joe biden uh, president trump has i think a, an energy that you'll see throughout all of the elements of the republican convention and through a lot of his supporters that energy was on display last night in a conversation the president had with Steve Hilton. Take a listen. What
0: do you want to get done if you're re-elected in the next four years that okay. you weren't
2: able to do in the first one? I'd love to
0: see school choice education-wise. It takes care of itself. It's the ultimate thing. I believe you're a fan of school choice, but very much the good Democrats good. are totally not. Well, most
2: importantly, parents are,
0: Well, the they parents know are. The that parents better are. for their children. The parents are. And so school choice is one thing. Education is very simple. School choice. We are working on our schools. We want uh, very, very strong. Uh, and you know, I've been very, very strong on choice, and we've got a lot of choice going. But this is where we can get students to instead of failing horrible schools. Where you see some of the statistics in New York, where yeah, I mean, people can barely read after they get out of high get out of high school. They can't pass the simplest of tests. So. Uh, Education is a big factor. It's going to be a big factor for me.
1: School choice is an issue that Republicans uh, have not embraced enough politically. From a policy perspective, we see Republicans fighting for school choice. But this is a very powerful political message, especially in the era of coronavirus. The Wall Street Journal did a deep dive in the state of Florida after the DeSantis victory over Andrew Gillum and actually found that a lot of black women, a lot of black mothers, who saw the benefits of charter schools, of step-up for students, scholarships to provide more school choice to Florida's families, that those women were not going to vote for a Democrat candidate who was going to constrain that choice. It's almost like an entitlement. Once you give people the choice, once you give people the opportunity to access something different, it's very hard to take that away. Uh, in the coronavirus era, I think you've got more parents considering school choice I think you're going to see more vendors meeting homeschooling needs, making homeschooling more acceptable of an option for more families throughout the country. And I don't believe that education ought to be a government-run monopoly. I think that there ought to be ways that families participate, that businesses participate, that innovators and technology companies engage in digital learning and distance learning, And the president very clearly has laid out that he believes that the money ought to follow the student in education. And as school districts are reopening, we'll get a better sense of how many families and how many students make a different type of choice. And I think those are choices we should support. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were interviewed on ABC. Take a listen. Would you be prepared to shut this country down again?
0: I would be prepared to do whatever it takes to save lives, because we cannot get the country moving until we control the virus. That is the fundamental flaw of this administration's thinking to begin with. In order to keep the country running and moving and the economy growing and people employed, you have to fix the virus. You have to deal with the
1: virus. So, if the scientists say, shut it down? I would shut it down. I would listen to the scientists. Shut it down again? It's not a very compelling political message. It's also not a very good policy choice. Governor DeSantis and First Lady Casey DeSantis here in Florida have really highlighted and showcased the negative impacts of these lockdowns that you might not see as clearly right off the bat. Mental health, drug abuse, suicide, violence within the household, sexual violence, physical violence. Uh, I am hopeful that we're able to reopen for those who are able to move about the country that those who we need to protect are able to get that protection uh, without having to have this type of broad negative impact on society typically presidential campaigns are about the republicans talking about less government the democrats talking about more government and people voting and sifting through exactly how much government they want but this presidential election may be very different you've got the president Donald Trump, who wants to open the country, who wants to innovate to that opening strategy with Project Warp Speed, with vaccine development, with therapeutic development. And then you got Joe Biden seemingly itching for another lockdown, another shutdown. And when Joe Biden says, oh, well, I'll just listen to the scientists, you know, it's important to remember that we don't just outsource policymaking decisions to technocrats. We need leadership in America. We need leaders who are willing to analyze the data, sure. Employ the right strategies, obviously, but who also are able to balance risks. And I think with Dr. Fauci and some others, they confess that their job is not to balance risks. They're just there to lay out what risks they believe this particular infectious disease would bring about the country. But there are, in fact, you know, other risks. And I certainly think that lockdowns exacerbate those risks. And if Joe Biden is the candidate of lockdowns and shutdowns, and if Donald Trump is the candidate of reopening and surging to another great American success story, uh, I think that that choice will be very clear in the minds of the voters. Amnesty is not a strategy. It's a surrender, a surrender to Elements of society that wouldn't follow our laws, wouldn't seek permission before entering, and amnesty also appears to be the organizing principle of Joe Biden's immigration policy. The Washington Times putting out the story that he's gone full Bernie when it comes to allowing 11 million people who are not in our country legally to access the full complements of citizenship. Here's my hot take. It erodes and waters down the meaning of citizenship To just provide it at a point of entry regardless of whether or not someone is entering lawfully and legally and according to our standards. American citizenship is so special and so unique in the world and if we don't treat it that way it'll lose its value. So it's my sincere hope that we don't just extend that citizenship to 11 million people. I obviously think that we've got to allow citizenship by naturalization but we have a process for that. We have laws for that. And by just accepting amnesty, it's my fear that uh, Joe Biden will incentivize a lot of the illegal border crossings that we saw before the Trump administration was able to fully actualize its strategy, a strategy that included people awaiting their uh, asylum claims in their home country or in Mexico, a strategy that's now you know well over 200 miles of wall having been constructed, uh, and a strategy that gives Border Patrol and ICE the tools necessary to apprehend those who would not come with permission. Biden, in addition to indicating that he'll extend citizenship, also says that he will roll back these policies of the Trump administration. And it's just important to recognize where our country was prior to that change that the Trump administration initiated. We had like 50, 60, 70,000 people apprehended each month at the US-Mexico border. They were largely coming from the Northern Triangle countries. And if those were the numbers of apprehensions, you can only imagine the tens of thousands more that were breaking through the border, that were coming across and treating our immigration system like a joke. And it shouldn't be a joke. The benefit that we get out of an immigration system that brings talented, ambitious people here is an important one. Obviously, that system should be improved upon. That's what President Trump has done. And it's certainly not what joe biden would do he would surrender to amnesty rather than enforcing our borders and our laws and ensuring that we build a great country convalescent plasma may be one of the great solutions to the coronavirus think about that the things that we make in our own body being just as effective as that which we create in a laboratory allowing us to be able to help our human beings become resilient against this virus. Take a listen to the president describe the recent work of the FDA to make convalescent plasma therapies more available to Americans.
0: Today I'm pleased to make a truly historic announcement in our battle against the China virus that will save countless lives. The FDA has issued an emergency use authorization and uh, that's such a a POWERFUL TERM, EMERGENCY USE AUTHORIZATION FOR A TREATMENT KNOWN AS CONVALESCENT PLASMA. THIS IS A POWERFUL THERAPY THAT TRANSFUSES VERY, VERY STRONG ANTIBODIES FROM THE BLOOD OF RECOVERED PATIENTS TO HELP TREAT PATIENTS BATTLING A CURRENT INFECTION. IT'S at AN INCREDIBLE RATE OF SUCCESS. TODAY'S ACTION WILL DRAMATICALLY EXPAND ACCESS TO THIS TREATMENT.
1: Jamel Hill, the one-time ESPN analyst, uh, now creates content for The Atlantic, is back in hot water for a pretty controversial social media post. And what I'm troubled by is really the, the dilution of the impact of what horrors occurred uh, during Nazi Germany. But here's Jamel's tweet. She says, been reading Isabel Wilkerson's new book, Cast." And if you were of the opinion that the United States wasn't nearly as bad as Nazi Germany, how wrong you are, can't encourage you enough to read this masterpiece. Now, I will confess I have not read *Cast*, but I don't need to read the book to know that there is absolutely nothing happening in the United States that is as bad as Nazi Germany. Six million Jews were killed. In the United States, we are the most loving, inclusive, supportive country to our people, that has ever existed in all of human history. And it is outrageous for Jamel Hill or really anyone to trivialize the Holocaust, to trivialize the death that occurred and the crimes against humanity that occurred in Nazi Germany uh, by drawing any comparison to the United States of America. We do not kill people based on their faith or their ethnicity or their heritage. Now, yes, there have been times where African-Americans have had very negative, horrific, even deadly encounters with the police. But that is a very different thing than people being rounded up out of their houses, in, out of their communities, put on the trains, sent to concentration camps. And I just think that when we allow like, you know, the American Woketopia sect to come out and trivialize the Holocaust in, in such a crass way, it, it dilutes our understanding of history as well. And oh, by the way, like at the same time that they're trying to abolish history, now they try to recast the present as something in any way analogous to the greatest crimes uh, that have that have occurred in human history. And certainly Nazi Germany uh, would be right there at the top of the list. So wag of the finger at Jamel Hill, be best. First Lady Melania Trump was at the White House today talking about the next steps in her be best campaign. Take a listen.
2: Since taking office, my husband and this administration have taken historic measures to empower and support women in the United States and around the world. Under our administration, the child tax credit has been doubled. American women, who comprise over half of the workforce, experience their lowest rate of unemployment in over 65 years. In addition to these achievements, this administration has filled many of its senior positions with women. We, as women, must continue using our great tool of empowerment, our voices. Now, in 2020, the American women's voice is more important than ever. Our nation is depending on each of you. I encourage you all to vote so that we may continue to build the brightest future for all of our children.
1: Thanks for listening to today's episode of Hot Takes. I'm Congressman Matt Gates. Tune in tomorrow for more Hot Takes.